Hey, brother. What up? Oh, not much. Hmm, I can't hear you. Oh, hold on, my volume's off. Oh, okay. You there? I'm here. Can you hear me now? Again, yeah. My, my, I actually had my speaker muted. <laughs> That's okay. All good in the hood, as they say. What's going on? Oh, not much. Just getting ready to talk about this uh, movie. Well, yeah, yeah. How much longer are you in that house for? 40 days. Oh, okay. Yeah. Probably can sneak in one more recording for a monthly, and then that's it. Yeah, it's weird to think. How far away are you guys moving? Back to uh, Victoria, British Columbia, which is above Seattle. All right, so you're going to be on my time zone again. Yeah. So Doug, you're going to have to fall in line with us. Getting left high and dry. <laughs> Good, I got to have more of those late-night conversations with Ryan. <laughs> yeah, well, Craig, yours is the craziest time zone to deal with if I'm out here because you sleep into like noon. <laughs> You'll send a message to Messenger, and I'm like, he sent that at five and like or three in the morning my time. Like, what's he doing? I, I always have my uh, what do you call it? notifications off, so you can send whatever you want whenever you want. I won't hear it till I'm up. Yeah, my, my phone is actually um, it goes into like do not disturb mode or something. So. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Craig's always up late working on his music. Yeah, I got six songs for my new record. Oh, wow. Nice. He's up late working on his new album and uh, editing. What you editing now? Um, I have a new Pulp Fiction episode that comes out on New Year's Day. Oh, it's nice. going to be the longest episode we've done yet. It's like probably close to an hour. I, I haven't really listened to it since I recorded it. But I got all my Rocky commitments taken care of. All the Slycast stuff is edited. Nice. Nice. I think I'm going to have a hot take here, guys. I mean, yeah, I have a take. I don't know how hot it is, but it's a take. Yeah. I think I know where Craig's going to go with this. So hold your thought. Hold your yeah, thought. Because, yeah. Um, yeah, well, we're not live live, so we're officially starting. So we'll just start now by saying. Welcome, everyone. Welcome. Yes, welcome to uh, another episode of the Sylvester Stallone Fan Podcast Network episode where three hosts from three different podcasts that are on one feed join forces and really join together. We've got Craig, we've got Doug, we've got myself, Ryan, from our respective podcasts. And Craig's made it known, why plug our, <laughs> why plug our podcast when everyone knows we're on the same feed? But I always say these get-together episodes actually produce the most listens, so... I'm going to go ahead and plug myself and say I'm part of the Going the Distance, Rocky, and Creed podcast feed. So on our show, myself and Katie and Kyle, we are breaking down Creed Part 1. And next season will be Creed Part 2. And we've broken down all the other Rocky films. So that's what we do on that feed. And, yeah, you're uh, carrying the network on your back, Ryan. Because no, no, no. I'm not contributing. And Doug's just helping us catch up with his Rocky Minute before season three comes out in 2022. I'm just churning out tired old garbage. No, it's not. It's not garbage. <laughs> so, Doug, explain your show. Any, I haven't done anything new in like a year. <laughs> Our shows are evergreen. It doesn't matter. There's people listening to the Rocky Minute. I guarantee you haven't heard it before. Well, what we do is we go through the Rocky movies and analyze one minute of film footage at a time two and seasons done we're gearing up for season three still yeah yeah <laughs> can't wait 
I can't. And wait actually, Flycast just had a great couple of weeks. Uh, you guys were both part of the uh, Rocky Four 35th anniversary special and the Rocky Five 30th anniversary special. And I got to say that the response to those episodes was really, really great. And I'm glad that we put the time in to do those because it's always great to be reminded of how much people love those movies. Yeah. And uh, those are two movies that people love to talk about for various reasons. You have people that consider Rocky Four the best and Rocky Five the worst. So to be able to celebrate both those movies, even though Doug tried to take us down into the mud a little bit in Rocky Five, I, re- I really tried to, to stay positive, man. But every time I, I opened my mouth, I was like, and this is wrong with it, too. And I was like, damn it. I don't know if you guys saw it on Facebook. I think I posted it in the on Ryan's group, whatever your group's called. Going the Distance Rocky Series podcast, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Future or past and future guest host of the Slycast, Captain Marvelous, actually sent me the Tommy Gunn action figure that he got signed like back in 2006 by Tommy Gunn. That's awesome. So that was such a cool package to get in the mail. And he knew that it was better off with me than it was with him. And he said that Tommy and his wife were both total class acts. Very cool. It's a nice little part of my uh, small Rocky collection. Uh, I am not as a great uh, of a collecting fan as some of the other people that. Well, are. when you see uh, Kunda's collection, I won't even start collecting. You know, <laughs> you see that as like a museum. <laughs> you can never catch up to a collection like that. No, no. there's a few like we get in, in Mighty Mix. Sometimes we get people that post their they're like Rocky shrines, and they're really really impressive. Oh yeah, yeah. So I actually don't collect. I'm not a big collector really, so I don't have any memorabilia yeah. of anything really. My cross country uh, <laughs> move kind of shed me of a lot of the stuff I was collecting, and right, yeah. I left comic books behind, Oof. action figures behind, paperback books behind, all my CDs. I probably kept like, like maybe a dozen box sets or CDs that really meant something to me, but everything else was like, "Ma, have a garage sale." <laughs> <laughs> Ryan, you know you've you've done it, and you're going to yeah. do it again. But yeah. a cross country move will change your perspective on what's important. <laughs> Okay, well, we're going to, like Doug said just before we started the recording, we were chatting for like 10 minutes. Delaying the inevitable. One other thing before we... Yes, of course. Here he goes, he keeps delaying. No, no, before we get into the movie is, I know you you mentioned it on Twitter, Ryan, in the Rocky IV anniversary episode, we talked a lot about this director's cut that was on its way, and when we were sitting down to talk today which is what, the second to last day of the year, mm-hmm. we all thought we would have seen this director's cut by mm-hmm. now. And like you said, it's been eerily, eerily silent. I mean, what do we think is going on? That's a great question. Really good. Yeah, so I put it on Twitter. If you're not following us on Twitter, we're all on there, so check us out. Yeah, I just said the silence is deafening regarding no Rocky Ford director's cut, no release date. Sly, the last thing Sly said is like, oh, yeah, it's going to be out this Thanksgiving. That's come and gone. And now the anniversary is come and gone. So I just, I don't know what's happening. Is it music rights? Are they redoing a score? Are they, is the uh, taking out of sequel, the robot, a bigger challenge than they anticipated? What's going on here? And there's no updates, nothing, zero. Yeah. And I hate to say this because, you know me, I love giving Sly the benefit of the doubt. But I wonder if there was really not enough there to make a substantially different movie. Hmm. You know, for all the bluster and bravado of, oh, I'm going to make it a more emotional or, or whatever. Maybe they looked at that cut and it was just like the studio might have been just, you know what? <laughs> it's not good. There's not, enough here. There's not enough there there, if you will. 
I don't know. I'm disappointed though. I could. I was really, really pumped up for an alternate version of that movie. I think you might be closer to the truth than we care to admit. I wonder if the uh, nothing's going to happen. And if the director's cut does come out, you know, sometimes directors do come with the director's cut. In fact, I have a Expendables director's cut. I have the Expendables extended director's cut, which is actually a better version than the one they released. But and the fourth Rambo movie too. He did a, a tremendous director's cut for the Rambo film as well. Maybe they're planning to put out another home video release, and this is because the extras on those home video releases have been garbage except for the first movie. So maybe they're actually going to put new bonus features on these movies. Literally a month ago, I saw a commercial on TV on like a Friday night. It was Francis Ford Coppola's recut of Godfather 3, comes out in theaters (laughs) on the 6th and comes to Blu-ray on the 8th. And like it came out of nowhere. That's a good point. Yeah, the the Godfather was literally announced, released, and done. Have you watched the recut by chance? I have not. From what I understand, it's a new beginning and a new ending, and the the middle of the movie isn't really much different. I don't hate Godfather 3 by any either. Have you? No, I want to see it, though. I'm looking forward to watching the recut. Why not? I like the third part. It got nominated for Best Picture. Godfather Part 3? Godfather Part 3 was nominated for Best Picture, yes. I've forgotten that. Are you joking? (laughs) I'm not. I'm not joking. It was nominated for Best Picture. That is insane. It's sort of rewritten what people think of that movie. But, I mean, it's the fact that it wasn't the Godfather Part 2 and Sofia Coppola is not an actress. Those are the two problems with that movie. Did anyone watch the 4K version of Rocky Part 1? I heard it's beautiful. Yeah, that's what I've heard too, so I'm going to see if it's available in Canada. I heard it actually looks like a movie. It actually looks like you'd expect Rocky to have looked when you went and saw it in the cinema in the 70s. Nice. No more graininess to the film? I've never seen a 4K print, so I can't I can't really speak to it. I mean, for me and these bum eyes, Blu-ray's enough. <laughs> Like, <laughs> regular high def is enough for me. I don't need the super high def. Hey, guys, listen. We have Escape Plan 2 to talk about. You mean Escape Plan 2 Hades? That's right. Yeah, yes. The, the subtitle, Hades. I'm going to jump right out front and give you my hot take. Oh, boy. Going into this, I heard that this was Sly's worst movie. Sly said it's his worst movie. Mm-hmm. And I have to say that we've watched some bad Sly movies in the past two two to three years or whatever it is. And I got to say that this wasn't as bad as I thought it was going to be. I know somebody on Twitter said that Backtrace was the godfather compared to this. Yeah, that's, uh, that's I don't know. If I had both movies sitting in front of me again, <laughs> I'd probably want to watch Escape Plan 2 before I watch Backtrace again. My take that wasn't so hot was... It wasn't worse than Backtrace. Because I knew this very topic was going to come up because Backtrace came out, I think, the same year. These are two very comparable straight-to-video look, straight to video movies. Limited theater runs in some foreign countries, but when it comes down to it, these were not blockbuster releases. Being that there was an Asian main character. Mm-hmm. and movie was his, made for China. That's what I was going to ask. Was this kind of made for an overseas, a Far East audience yes. the production credits at the beginning it was all foreign production companies that we'd never heard of this wasn't made for u.s sylvester stallone on it was made for a chinese audience i think the movie they made for china is the exact movie that china wanted well china fronted the money on this the credits at the beginning took half an hour to get through all the companies that financed this film <laughs> Dude, I, I i hit the skip pen button like <laughs> 20 times. <laughs> I was I was halfway to see uh, Matt Marchand had funded this film with the Kickstarter campaign. <laughs> Is 
they didn't really even bother to recap the first movie. Most sequels will sort of do a little bit of world building or catch up people that haven't seen the first movie. This felt like, aside from the fact that his name was Ray Breslin again, and he was a security consultant, they didn't really set up the world that we were re-entering. Did you, either one of you guys pick that up? Or The only well, thing oh, they mentioned was that the people that funded Hades were the same people that funded the tomb. You know, after spending a lot of time with this, I put my ear to the ground. I just didn't like what I saw, didn't like what I heard. There's a lot of rumors, it's like pathology. It's called the High Acid Detention Service. Hades. Huh. Fake mythology. The land of the dead. Whoever goes in just doesn't come out. It's that simple. Sounds familiar. Yeah. The word is the people behind the tomb took a beating, did some adjustments, and then came back strong. Who are these assholes? Spies, criminals, businessmen, elected officials. Profit, big profit. What makes you think he's there? His cousin Yushang was put on some kind of hit list by his competition. A satellite tech company called Reshka. Well, then we gotta go in, get him out. We can't go in there blind. We don't know a layout. We don't have anything. You broke the tomb totally blind? Yeah, well, I got lucky. Yeah, that was her nod to the first one. Yeah, there was a nod to the first one. Do you want to talk about the characters that were returning characters? 50 Cent. Well, it was 50 50 Cent. And who else? Wasn't one of the females, but recast in a different role? That's right. I was going to say, did they recast? Was it Amy Ryan? That's right. So that's why I gave you a trick question. What characters are returning characters? So, of course, Sylvester Stallone is Ray Breslin. And then Curtis 50 Cent Jackson has returned as Hush as the computer hacker. And then lastly, uh, Jamie King replaced Amy Ryan as Abigail Ross, who's the vice president of Breslin Security now. I just assumed she's the Amy Ryan character in this movie, but like I didn't realize that it was the same. It was the same character. Saint literally the same character. She's just being recast the same way Dumbledore was recast. I mean, I already respected Amy Ryan, but I have gained a, a new amount of respect for her for not getting involved in this nonsense. Actually, we have a fourth returning character, and this individual is in all three Escape Plan films. She was the receptionist. Lydia Hall (laughs) played the receptionist in Escape Plan, the first one. Her character got a promotion, and she became uh, an employee there as Jules. She got got a character named Jules in parts two and three. That's Lydia Hall. So she, too, is a returning character for all three films. So in a weird way, they actually have a handful of returning characters in this trilogy. Wow. Are we know for sure it's a trilogy? Like they're done? There's not going to be an escape plan for? No, there's just no okay. way. Two and three were made pretty close together, right? I think it was concurrent filming. That's the recurring characters. And it took me a second to realize that Abigail was the same name as Amy Ryan's character in part one. Because Ray played by Stallone, he looked at Abigail at one point in the film and said, oh, you look nice. And the thought occurred to me, and he did it in a flirtatious way. I'm like, oh, man, that's kind of inappropriate for a boss to say that to an employee. So I went back and looked at the character, and I'm like, oh, it's Abigail. They are, they're romantically evolved. That was the only kind of hint of the carryover that they, they maintained their romance into part two, is that he told her, oh, you look great, by the way. You look very nice today, but you know that. You know, she smiled at it because they were they were a couple. I'm not buying it. <laughs> All right, so this film was uh, cost. Uh, you want to hear how much it cost? It cost twenty million, right? Twenty million. It made a worldwide box office of eighteen million. So, <laughs> co- <laughs> wow! No, well, eighteen million and four dollars after you rented it for this viewing. <laughs> oh yeah, let's. Okay. <laughs> 
So all three of us, can we say that all three of us didn't watch this movie until necessary as of for this recording? I was not planning on watching this movie until I absolutely had to. <laughs> Duty called. Yeah. Just like Party Kitty and Studs, you have to watch it to complete the collection, but gun to my head, you know, that's the only way I was able to do it. Well, speaking of guns to heads, <laughs> I don't know what that means. <laughs> <laughs> so I went on YouTube and I rented the standard edition. It was like the hardest $5.55 I've ever spent in my life. It was so hard to hit, ex- to literally draw $5.00. You know a movie is going to be bad in your mind before like, – mm-hmm. like I'm spending $5 yeah, yeah. on this. It's like – anyway, so that was my my viewing experience. So I had to pay for this, but you guys had it on your Amazon in, in the States, I think. Yeah, it's so weird that the rights – just somebody on the other side of the border from you was able to watch Hades on Prime and your not version me. of Prime is just not there, right? I should have given you – I wonder if you know if I gave you my account information if you could have – no, because no, of the no, it's VPN. It's based on your it's based on your location. Yeah. So actually, if I logged in with my account in the states, I would have access to Netflix state stuff. It's got nothing to do oh, with shit. yeah, yeah. I thought it was the origination of the account. But. No, it's wild. We can get into a whole discussion. Oh yeah. About well, writing. we're avoiding again. So that was the budget. And that's what it made. <laughs> it was directed by a guy who's 39 years old right now. His name is Stephen C. Miller. He's got a picture here on his uh, that he uses on Twitter and on Wikipedia. He, he looks like the kind of guy that would direct this kind of crap. <laughs> Apparently, he made a really good debut film or something. Auto Matin Transfusion. I think so. Yeah. I mean, I've never seen it, oh. but apparently, like, it was a good, good movie. It was his directorial debut. It has a score on Rotten Tomatoes of fifty percent. Okay. Not bad for a debut what does film. What have on Rotten Tomatoes? We'll get there. We're going to get there. So okay. speaking of this guy's filmography, he's he released his next film in 2012. He actually had three that came out. They weren't even rated on Rotten Tomato. Then he had one called Silent Night, which is the remake. 64%. Yeah. So that was his biggest one for highest rated films. Kind of a Silent Night is a kind of a comedy slasher film about Santa killing people, right? And then he did a movie in 2015 called Extraction. Not to be confused with Escape Plan 3, The Extractors. <laughs> Correct. And this one has 6% on Rotten Tomatoes. And then Ooh, he's a, Wow. <laughs> and then he did a one called Submerge, 29. Marauders, 25. Arsenal, 3%. Oh. <laughs> Arsenal, I think I've heard of. Arsenal has John Cusack, Nicolas Cage... <laughs> boy wow. okay that's one that i've probably like went by on netflix or hulu 85 yeah. times and yeah. been like i'm not desperate yet <laughs> and then he did another one with uh, bruce willis called first kill and actually has bruce willis and hayden christensen of old people that one had scored 13 percent, and then he went to escape plan Two hades got nine percent of rotten tomatoes yay I saw an interview with him. I guess it was while the film was in production, and he was all amped up about it. <laughs> yeah, oh yeah, oh yeah. The, the first Escape Plan, it it was pretty well received. I'd imagine that any director that's going to be working with Sly, sure. that's got to be exciting. And then this ends up being the film, and then Sly even bad mouths it, which yeah. has to be like a double insult. I got a feeling I know why Sly was able to badmouth it. Something must have happened on set because Stephen Miller was fired during production. So who finished directing it? I don't know. Not Sly. Sly. <laughs> no, probably. Well, who knows? I don't know how far into the production because Steven's still credited as the director, 
but he was fired before the film was released from the film. They tried to get Arnold back for this one, didn't they? Yes, and Arnold continues to show us he's a little bit more business savvy than Sly sometimes. <laughs> he knows the bad product when he sees it. I feel like we're going to repeat a lot of the same beats we're talking about Hades that we did for Backtrace, meaning why is Sly doing this? He was in the movie with virtually nobody. Well, Batista's not nobody. Well, yeah, David Batista. But, I mean, and that's another thing. You got Sly and Batista, like, headlining on the poster, Guy. face front, yeah. and they're hardly in the, in the film. What a bait and switch that was. Yeah. Big time. You know what's even worse? We get the zookeeper, whatever that guy, the character of the zookeeper. Oh, Titus Wolliver. Yeah, who was – he's guy. on that great Amazon show, Bosch. He mm-hmm. was just in season two of The Mandalorian. Mm-hmm. Did you notice, too, that it looked like they shot him months apart? Because in the, the first time I saw him, I'm like, wait, is that Bosch? And he looked all puffed out. He looked like maybe he had like been on a weekend bender or something and was just retaining water from alcohol abuse. And then at the end of the film, he looked like Bosch again. And I was like, oh, did either one of you pick up? Well, it's funny they bring up Bosch. Uh, my wife I and I just it. started that show on Amazon. We're on season. We're almost done season two right now. And we love it. It's we, great. We absolutely he, he's love it. Awesome. How great was he in the, in the Mandalorian this yeah. season? Yes. Yeah, rest in peace. He, he is a fantastic character actor. Yeah, he's a great actor. Like, and he was like, fine why? in this. He was fine in this. I, I, I don't know. He, he probably. Why? I don't know. Here's my theory. I think what made this film so, so difficult to watch and such a terrible film too was it seems like we had moments of like oh I think I, I think I know where what they could have done here, and it felt like a hodgepodge mishmash rush job, where had they spent a little bit more time and energy we might have had something not so terrible. It's a well, frustrating also, experience. The plot was oh, all you, over you the know place. What else? My biggest problem with this was the two other leads, male leads that weren't Asian. They looked exactly the same. They were two generic-looking white guys with yes. beards. Yes, that, that stupid beard look makes guys look tough. I hate that. No offense, Doug. Pulled <laughs> <laughs> it off. Like those. Like I think the one guy was what Jesse Metcalf, who's I guess kind of a star. But yes. then you had the other guy that looked just like him, and I was, why would you do that? Why would you have two dudes that look exactly the same? Great point. Make one of them just have a mustache or something. You said generic. Generic was a great word for it. You could have slid anybody in there. So the two guys you're talking about is Wes Chatham, who plays, I hate this guy's oh. name, Kimbrel. Why would they name yeah, yeah, yeah. Why would they name his last name terrible? It doesn't roll off the tongue very well. Kimbrel. Yeah. Just call him Kimball or something else. I don't even want to go through the plot of the movie, okay? Can we just like... <laughs> okay, let's go through the cast first. Let's go through the cast a little bit. Who's in it, okay? Do I agree with you totally, Craig, that... The beards on both of them, they're both kind of pretty boy. Looks like they just walked off a CW set. I don't know. And I had a hard time telling the difference between them as well. And then on, we have the Asian actor, Juan Xiaoming. This is the guy that elevated the film a little bit. He was fine. Yeah. He played Shu Ren. He was a protege of Breslin. His physical acting was incredible. His His acting acting sucked he had his lines in mandarin he was fine i was gonna say i'm sure english being his second language didn't do him any favors but in his dialogue scenes was terrible i won't you know say that that was the reason why this film sucked no 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 so he's been in quite a few films i'm looking at his filmography and a lot they're they're all chinese films so this was kind of his first maybe foray into the well at least us to north american eyes i think china was kind of like hey we'll finance this film but we got somebody for you that will help bring in some pesos because he's popular in China. No, yen. 
I know that was Pesos. my joke. That was my joke. <laughs> wow, <laughs> way to disparage people, Ryan. What you just exchanged uh, the no, yen into pesos? That's <laughs> I'm, I'm joking. I'm joking. <laughs> Mula. It was a good movie for him to showcase his martial arts. That know, was the did. thing that was really weird. You watch Escape Plan Part One and Escape Plan Part Two. There's no similarity between the two films other than the returning None. characters. <laughs> None. Yeah, we also it turns into a martial arts flick. It's like, oh, we've got some legit martial art acting going on here, but this did not happen in Part One. It was also different. The amount of people that were getting killed. Right. Sly just picking up a gun and, and just gunning people down. He wasn't doing that in the first one. Who did he kill in the first one? No, there's that well, there, there's one scene in the bar where Batista works, right? Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. Sly That's the first two people there, and like, he like, like shoots four. one guy like point blank in the face. Yeah. yeah, it was like four people he just mowed down. I was like, huh, that's, <laughs> that's a, a step away from the first one. So we'll say now that Batista, he was basically playing the Arnold role. Like, had Arnold said, yeah, I'll come on and do it with you, change everything, and just put Arnold in those scenes. And that's what that was the Arnold role. Yeah, I guess. I like Batista in it. I wish he was in it more. Well, he's in part three. I guess we'll get there. <laughs> we know what next month's movie's going to be. Oh, no. <laughs> we need a break. So it's funny that Craigie talked about how the director, Stephen Miller, he was you know all hyped about the film. I actually went on his Twitter or his Instagram, and he was hyping this film and really excited about it. And Sly as well. And it was funny that I watched Sly, Sly's Instagram video where it was him. It was the final scene in the movie where... Uh, robot. Yeah, with the robot uh, Galileo. Oh, my goodness. There's Jesse. Oh, Jesse, what's up? And my friend here. I can't tell you what this is all about, but as you can see, it's a tough robot. I won't give away, but it's part of the ending. And it's definitely a brawl. It could be thrilling. Escape plan two. Maybe three's on the way too. I, I actually wrote on the Instagram of those like two, 150 weeks late. I wrote this, this didn't age well. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know what? I'm sure that was in his contract. It was like, we're going to give you X amount of dollars. Mm. You're going to work six days and you're going to have to do three social media posts about the movie. <laughs> My theory is, is that when the director got fired, I bet you it was soon after that that Sly said this was the worst film he's ever worked on. And I, I guarantee you it's something to do with, again, creative differences. I wonder if Sly saw the dailies and was embarrassed. And so he shot it down before he was even released. It's not a bad-looking movie. Like, it doesn't look bad. Did you see I mean, the same CGI that I saw? Well, no, I mean, that's all budget shit. Bad CG is just expected now when you see a movie with that budget. Sly could have read that script and known what he was going to get. It starts and ends with the script. If you have dog shit, dog shit in, dog shit out. I agree with you, but I wonder, I bet you I would butcher a Quentin Tarantino script, meaning a director is so valuable in producing. So you're right, it starts at the script, but a good script can be ruined in editing and acting and piecing together the film and how it looks, how it's angled, how the actors are portrayed. And I would say the this movie was destroyed in editing. I was confused a lot through this film of what was going on. Well, thank goodness for the editor, Ryan, because how long – wasn't Backface like almost two hours long? It like was like, hour yeah, long. yes, yes. Oh, man. So, <laughs> the editor in this movie got it down to 94 minutes, which I think it was – Ten minutes under, of credits. Under 90 minutes, not counting the credits. So kudos was, to the uh, editor for that. A 94-minute slog. It took me forever to get through it too. I think the thing that really suffered here is they tried to establish this relationship between 
the guy that was in Hades and Sly, and you have that scene at the beginning where they're playing Go together, that Asian stone like game. Checkers or whatever. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. This game Go is interesting. Why do you think you win all the time? Because I've been playing Go since I was four. And you started two years ago. You move everything together. You take the territory as one. You take my pieces as one. Everything flows as one. When you were at the factory, any of you guys moved together, you didn't flow as one. Kimball was trying to upstage you. Maybe I should work alone. No one does it alone. I guess that's why I hear your voice in my head when I am on the job. It may sound like me, but I think that voice is your intuition. Take all the time you need, but when you come back, I need you to be a team player. But you can see, like, this is his protege. He's trying to sort of pass his knowledge on to this guy on how to, I guess, break out of prisons or whatever. That relationship wasn't treated nearly as well as it should have been. I mean, you I, got the sly voiceover on occasion. It wasn't executed well. That was the part that I was hoping, like the mentor-protege relationship, and started to like the voiceover stuff. When the guy's in the solitude, he's recalling the lessons that he was taught by Ray Breslin. The first thing they try to do in lockup is break your spirit. Can't allow that to happen. You have to stay mentally strong. You have to focus on three key things to a successful breakout. What are they? One, know the layout. Two, understand the routine. Three, have help from the inside or out. Teamwork, exactly. Your favorite one, I can tell. Remember, Shu, you move together. Everything flows as one. The one gift every prison gives you is time. Don't waste it. Visualize the layout every chance you have. Even the most complex scenarios are often based on one simple idea. The answer is most likely right in front of you. I wanted more of that. Ah, the plot was just so convoluted. Let's talk about how it starts. It starts off. I don't want the, to. Well, it starts off with a prison break. Okay. <laughs> The Chechen, yes, uh, Chechia, Chechnya, or whatever that was called. <laughs> Let's how did one up. of the good guys get in with the terrorists? Look, I don't know. All we know <laughs> is that they broke out two females. I think it was two females were in prison. And I guess we, we have to assume that they were falsely imprisoned in some form. Well, the, the Asian guy was, was one of the prisoners, too. Or was he pretending to be a prisoner? I, maybe he got caught on purpose. I think he did, so then he could help extract extract. Extract, Yeah, Yeah, because this whole Breslin security thing, their whole deal is is to get caught to escape. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, I can't handle this. The first movie, when he was put into a prison to find its weakness, that's a good story. Well, that's what they're trying to do here. They're doing the same thing, but they're making it a real mission. Same idea. They're showing you the staff. Basically, the Breslin security staff... Basically, you can hire these guys. They will get into a prison and they'll break you out. And if you want a couple of hostages to come out with you, then you hire them to go into this prison, break out the hostages. And that's what they did at the beginning of this film. We didn't know who any of these characters were right away because they're all new new staff members of Breslin Security. But in the release of these hostages, the escape, one of the hostages got shot and killed by the guards. And Kimbrell took the heat on this because he used a computer program and followed this computer program algorithm to get them out. What happened? 
had a chance to blow their weapons load, and I took it. It wasn't part of the plan. I factored it in. Oh, you factored it in? I took the speed I was Where running. were you? Did you use your computer program? Shoot, it was less than point zero zero. Shoot, the algorithm was solid. Algorithm, algorithm. Al how many <laughs> freaking times did they say the word algorithm? I was like, do they even know what an algorithm is? <laughs> Are they just saying a word that they heard somewhere? What I love is they're basically saying, had he not followed this algorithm, that no one would have got shot. She was shot leaving the prison all the same. That's a terrible thing to put on this guy's shoulders. For all intents and purposes, he was a good guy. Maybe he should have run the algorithm by the team first. I understand that. It, it was a mistake, and he felt terrible about it. What algorithm? I like, don't know. It was, it was a practical exercise. Where were computer algorithms? How but, was that involved? But the fact that the fact that he would still get in trouble for following what he thought might be a good way to get this lady out of prison with the team, they're saying that because he used an algorithm, she got killed. What algorithm? <laughs> Oh my god. That's gonna it, it's going to be the same of part four, by the way. It's going to be uh, Escape Plan <laughs> 4, the algorithm. I understand how the algorithm comes into play when you're building the prison because it was all computer based. And his algorithm of like on security was perfect, was supposed to be perfect. Okay. Fast forward a little bit. Kimbrel gets fired from Breslin Security. You want to see me? Yeah, come on and sit down. I'm letting you go. What? I'm letting you go. I won't be needing your services anymore. You know, the most important thing in this job is knowing you can trust the guy next to you. I told you before this program of yours, it wasn't ready. And you defied the team. My program's not ready, you just don't like it. Who would die? It could have happened without the algorithm. Don't you put that on me. You know, you want to make all these excuses up in your head, algorithm, whatever it is. Someone died because you trusted a computer more than your own team. You gotta go. Who didn't know at that moment that he was going to be the bad guy? I actually, I didn't know. I was tricked. I didn't care enough to know. I'm sorry to skip ahead, but when he shows up as a prisoner inside the prison, I'm like, why is our Asian friend trusting this guy? Because he's obviously the bad guy. Was set up too because 50 Cent like fell on his sword for it. He's like, hey, I told Kimbrel to take the initiative, and that got the hostage killed. So I'm like, is 50 Cent going to be the bad guy in this? And then all we really got is a scene of him carrying a pizza that made me really, really hungry. <laughs> and they don't even show the pizza. You see that? Like, they show him crossing the street with the pizza box. Oh, man, we're going to get a beautiful pizza shot here, which I love in movies. And then he he's sitting at his desk in the next shot, and you don't even see the pizza box. It doesn't matter, Craig. It's Atlanta pizza. That <laughs> shit is garbage. <laughs> Nothing beats Jersey pizza. You know that. So Kimbrough gets fired. Okay, <laughs> and then we cut to the scene where Breslin is playing that Chinese game called Go, G-O, with Shu. But I was confused. Was Shu said during this conversation he needs to go out on his own, take a break, a sabbatical? I was confused about his departure right after the firing of the other co-worker. I don't remember that part, but was he going to China just to visit his family? Again, it's, it's terrible writing. Terrible editing, because it sounded like to me as a first-time viewer, I was like, oh, he's he's leaving too. So actually, because I thought to myself, oh, they're really losing staff left, right, and center. One guy gets fired, another guy's taking a break to find himself. But then we see uh, that the shoe character is now in, was it Hong Kong? China, uh, started in Shanghai, and then he went to Bangkok okay. for the bachelor party. It's his cousin, by the way, and Ying Shu or whatever. And he's like some sort of uh, tech 
conglomerate and he's going to do like a big TED talk reveal of their technology that's going to change communication throughout the world or something like that. The original communication satellite set out to solve one problem. How to send a signal successfully around the bend in the earth and reach the receiver. Today, we at Yuxing Technology are proud to present to you the future of satellite tech. We do it faster, with smaller units. Then they go to a bachelor party. So Shu is now going to be his personal bodyguard at this bachelor party to make sure he gets home safely because his cousin is irresponsible when he drinks or whatever. There was one thing in this in this scene. Sorry, Ryan. Yeah, no. The female cousin says to him, It's good to see you, Chi. What can I help you with? Yuxing is in trouble. Genius or not, he's careless. A lot of people want to see him die. Huh. A company called Reshko is who I'm most worried about. They're a tech giant headquarters in Geneva, and they tried to buy Yuxian out for three times already, and he's refused. These are not the kind of guys who take no for an answer. He's going to Bangkok this weekend for a bachelor party, and he won't take a bodyguard. I'll pay you. Your family. Not necessary. He's a tech genius. The competing companies want him dead. Is that a tech company thing? Like they want to kill each other, the, comp the competition? Oh, did you hear about that Netflix producer got poisoned? For real. By, by the competition? Well, no, but, he, but did you hear about this billionaire Netflix producer? No, I didn't. Yeah, that's for real. Like, it's like he's from China. And he yeah. got poisoned. For real, he got murdered via poison. They're gritty out there in China, huh? So I guess in some weird way, yeah. So maybe this company did want him dead. Right here, Chinese video game tycoon <clears throat> Netflix producer dead after alleged poisoning. Lin Qi, the chairman and CEO of Yazoo Games, died on Christmas Day following a week-long illness that stemmed from a poison cup of tea. All right. So you take out the competition. Yeah, for real. Okay. So as far as a plot device goes, yeah, the competition wanted him dead. Sure. Okay. So they're at this bachelor party, and these two masked, Straight out of what's that Carousel movie called? Little China or Big Big Trouble? Big Trouble, Trouble Little China. China. Yeah, this is what it reminded me. Of. <laughs> Just like these two mystical masked characters come out of the blue and start attacking. Big Shoot. Trouble Little China is such a good movie that my mind didn't go anywhere near watching this. <laughs> that's true. That's fair. Well, you should have really done a Kurt Russell podcast. <laughs> it's not too late. <laughs> We could abandon ship on this anymore. <laughs> no, I I love Sly. I really do. I love him because he's just he's been my childhood hero since I was a kid. Obviously, since yeah. I was a kid. But when it comes to quality movies, I think Kurt Russell wins. <laughs> Name me a bad Kurt Russell film, like one no, that's that's this kind of level of bad. You know what? I don't think I don't think he ever really got pulled into the straight to DVD. Most of his movies. They open in theaters, and he's been a lot more selective than Slice. You know, obviously, he works more when he wants to, not because he has to. Did he make that movie with Michael Keaton in the 90s where, like, Michael Keaton's their house guest and he won't leave? No, that wasn't him. That wasn't Kurt Russell? Okay, because that's a terrible movie, and that's the only bad Kurt Russell movie uh, I'm thinking Unlawful of. Entry, you mean? Was, um, was Kurt Russell the lead in that? Kurt Russell, Ray Liotta, Madeline Stowe? Pacific yeah. Heights with Michael Keaton. That's a bad. Oh no, unlawful, unlawful Entry is a great movie. I'll have to watch it again. It's actually a great movie. I saw it in the theaters. I saw every. I've seen every Kurt Russell movie in the theater since like since Tango and Cash. Quite frankly, guys, guys, focus. <laughs> I can't. I have another brain buster for you guys. 
So these guys get incapacitated in right. Bangkok. Right. Because the whole movie, I'm like, where where is this prison? And we find out that it's in Atlanta at the end. Underneath a church. So, I can't even. So they, I, I, so they get knocked out in Bangkok. Do you get it? Take, it's underneath a church. It's called Hades. And it's below, uh, it's below a church. Did you not catch that reference? God, no. And boo. <laughs> is that – it was so terrible. Like literally the prison that's inescapable is connected via sewer duckways or whatever, air vents to a church. Anyway, so the guys take about a 24-hour journey from China to Atlanta inside the prison completely unconscious. Oh, it's ridiculous. Remember what this prison looks like, the technology, the height of it under the church, and nobody noticed. How's that done? I don't know, but you need to excavate a goddamn large area for it. Think about how big the parking lot is of a shopping center. Mm -hmm. How do they build this whole facility and all the staff that come and go from it underneath Atlanta's groundwork? And how would it go unnoticed? That's a great point. Because there's like sewage workers. Yes. Where like all those guys on the take to keep their mouth shut about it because obviously you'd have this huge acres, what acres of underground prison, man. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You just broke this, a logic, you know, <laughs> the illogical movie is even more illogical. Can we also talk about the fight? The fact that every prisoner has to have like a fight club scene. I mean, we could talk about it if you want. Well, I, I don't understand. So basically you arrive in prison. So Doug, you and I get caught. Okay. We got thrown into Hades. We wake up, we're assigned a prison number, and we walk out in this like neon blue hallway, and we go into this big circular room. We uh, exit via, it's called the zoo, and the hallways are referred to as spokes, like a spoke on a wheel, because it turns. I love how they actually call the things that turn spokes, but nobody figures out that this room turns. So anyways, is there a question in there? Okay, well, yeah. So we, so the idea, dear listener, is the prisoners, they're randomly assigned a fight with another prisoner. If you win the fight, you get two hours. It was essentially a really primitive version of the holodeck of Star Trek <laughs> called the Sanctuary, which is this nice lighted room with white desks and soft music. And you get to like, I don't know, paint. <laughs> yeah, whatever your passion is. I mean, you can only fight on like Monday, Wednesday, and Friday, though, because there's <laughs> every other day is like a peace day, peaceful. Oh my God. So if you win the fight, yeah, so if you win the fight, you get to be in the sanctuary for a couple hours. If you lose the fight, you don't get to eat. Yeah, some shit like And then everyone else is just a spectator for this round. And then you go back to your rooms. But also, who determines the fight? Is it somebody Galileo. Who call out? Oh, Galileo just randomly chooses I think the so. fighter? Or the zookeeper, played by Titus. I yeah. guess the zookeeper oversees the fighting. I don't know. Yeah, because he caught... Hey, Ryan, a horror movie scene just occurred behind you. The door opened, but nobody appeared there. Oh. <laughs> I was just waiting for somebody to pop up behind you with a knife and plunge it into your back. And whatever to end the suffering, <laughs> rehashing this film. <laughs> Okay, so now we've established what goes on in the prisons. Again, it's full of, what, computer geeks? Everyone apparently is a powerful person. Anybody who Kimbrel stands to make money off of. Why does everyone look homeless? <laughs> I, I don't know. <laughs> At least these actors didn't pay to be in the movie. <laughs> oh, what about, what about the, the what, 
What about the part with the Legion guys? Neo-Nazis, the albinos, the guys who are in desperate need of some vitamin D. We are Legion. <laughs> oh, my God. Enough of that. <laughs> Can you just say yes, for Christ's sake? Neo-Nazis? Computer nerds. Brought them in some time back. They rounded them up in some random basement in Iceland. They called themselves the Legion. The leader's handle is Count Zero. He screwed with more Fortune 500 companies than you and I can name. But a zookeeper's got a problem because he doesn't know which one is actually Count Zero. And he's interrogated them day and night. No sanctuary time ever. Why does the prison care? Because Count Zero has acquired the specs to the prison. They need to know who he is and where his servers are. Specs of the prison? Yes. If you can find out which one is Count Zero before the prison, maybe he can help us. I can't explain this plot. I can't. I don't know what's going on. Let me try. Let me try. So, so these three Icelandic tech people, they're part of a group. One of the guys was able to get a schematic of the prison. They lock up the Count three zero. guys. Count zero. Count zero. They lock right. up these three guys knowing that one of them has the schematics. Okay. They torture and interrogate the three guys, but nobody's selling out the real Count Zero. Okay, so here's my question, so, so people understand this. So the prison Hades, it, we find out later that it's run by Kimbrel, who was fired by Breslin Security. There's the big plot twist. So he built this prison in, in one, one year. year. <laughs> Think about it. He built well, it. No, if you, if, he if built he it. Day, he got fired. Yes, he built it. Staffed it. production there is for that. There's probably what a four to six month window where you don't even break ground. <laughs> well, obviously, they didn't pull permits for it. He and, built this thing in less than a year. Staffed it. Housed it with all these inmates, so they had to use all these uh, futuristic military guard guys to go out and stun these people throughout the world. Bring them to Atlanta. Where do they yep. through the but church what, what, door or something? I don't where do they what, bring what, it through. What kind of chip do you have to have on your shoulder to have beef with that many people that you, <laughs> that in one year's time you lock them all up because you stand to make money off of them? Kimbrough would have had an easier time literally just locking Breslin in his own home. <laughs> yeah. What a stupid revenge. movie. What a <laughs> stupid movie. Guys, we haven't talked about the blockbuster cameo moment. That was set up to be the biggest cameo where the guy is hidden behind a welding mask. Come on. And then it's revealed to be the bass player from Fallout Boy. <laughs> Stop. <laughs> but Batista comes in, you're like, oh, this is a this is gonna be a big cameo because the guy turns around with the welder's mask on. And you're like, who is it? Who's it gonna be? Zero payoff. I only know that from IMDB. The emo Fallout Boy nerds were like, oh, <laughs> The only reason I caught it is because my niece used to be a really big Fall Out Boy fan. So I'm like, I'm pretty sure that's the dude from Fall Out Boy. So I texted her and she didn't even know about it. I don't know if the dude from Fall Out Boy is like, yeah, I'm not going to promote this. It, it didn't turn out the way I thought it would. Yeah, right here from Stephen Miller's uh, Twitter. And Pete Wentz has arrived. Guns ready. Exclaim plan two. But yeah, he didn't even have a gun in the movie. He's holding a gun in this Twitter picture. I know, but like he was at a desk, right? I, don't. I mean, he had the room that was loaded with guns, but he didn't wield any. Oh, that was him playing Bug. Yeah. Oh, okay. He looked like a poor man's Ryan Reynolds. Where were we? 
about how illogical it was for him to build this prison. And you said it basically, it would have been easier just to like <laughs> trap Ray in his home. He literally could have talked about Legion. Yeah, because let's go back to Legion. So Kimbrel wanted to know which of the three in this one year time somehow hacked into his program that they had the layout of the prison. He captures these three guys because he doesn't know which one is Count Zero, the leader. So he captures all three of them. Now, they have the schematics of something that he already has because he built the freaking so prison. So does it matter? Yes. <laughs> they're in a, they're so in a, why does it matter who's Count Zero? Why does he just kill all three of them and call it a day? Here's a bigger question for you guys. How did the long-haired chef or kitchen worker play into this movie? He provided that the steps to the kitchen were different each meal, and that's how. Yeah, because they worked to walk them in a circle or something. I mean, why was that so mind blowing? Because she was able to determine. Oh, the the room moves. <laughs> the hallways are different each time. Huh. <laughs> so that's the sole purpose for that long haired yes. kitchen worker. Yes, was to basically get, uh, give Shu the idea that the room spins every time they leave it. And so the hallway is different every time. So the cook thinks he's going down the same hallway blindfolded because it's the same area of the circle, but it's a different hallway each time. Cause you circle. paid attention more than I did, Ryan. I tried to understand this film. So right, right away, if I was this bad guy, I'd say, okay, none of you tell me who Count Zero is who stole my schematics, the very thing that I know, that I'm just going to kill all three of you. Done. Yeah. Nobody's given up the information he wants, so, okay, you're all dead. Okay, and here's the other thing regarding this prison. It's full, let's just say, it's like way advanced, incredible technology, and all these things, electronic devices, and robots running the joint, essentially, and you have literally a robot doctor, robot security systems, all these things, and yet they still were able to escape this prison. It would have been easier. All you had to do was literally build under the church as well, right? A steel freaking cage. Use your stun gun people. Zap Breslin and all the gang from Breslin Securities. They're knocked out. Open up the church cellar door. Throw them in the cage with nothing but their bare hands and teeth with cement and bars. And say, escape this, Breslin. Oh, my goodness. You just made me think of one of the most absurd lines in the whole movie where, like, they said to the Asian guy, they're like, why don't they just kill you? And he's like, well, then, if they kill you, they can find you, whereas if you're here, they can't. But if you want someone to disappear so bad, why not just kill them? Because then the world will know they are dead. Here. They are just gone. It makes no sense. <laughs> Dump can... them in the ocean. How many unsolved murders are there where they never exactly. find the body? Exactly. <laughs> just put cement shoes on the guy and throw him in the ocean. But here's the thing. He could have easily, and I think that would have been almost a better story saying, hey, look, here's a simple ancient prison cell, Breslin. Escape this. There's no way. You can't bend bars and cement. Like, you're stuck. You're not getting out of that thing. The irony is a simple cement and steel bars would trap any human indefinitely. End of story. Oh, man. So, like, imagine we get Escape Plan 4, The Rock. It would have cost the amount that it takes to make cement – <laughs> find a couple steel bars at a dump. I even have steel bars. Why not just make it a cement with a slot that you can slide food in? Like a two-by-two two or even a one-by-one one opening. Yeah. So now Kimbrel, he's in charge of the prison. 
Oh, yeah, Shu's cousin. Basically, he has technology that they're trying to extract from him. The reason why he's in prison is because they're trying to get from Shu's cousin, who got caught at the bachelor party with Shu, the computer code that will enable them to launch nuclear weapons from anywhere in the world. One, seven, six, four. Are you the warden? Your cousin is a brilliant man. He gave me the details of his patent. Number 34ACJL, but not number 36BBBCK. I need you to convince him to give that to me. Why would I do that? You grew up together. Like brothers. But you weren't brothers. A family tragedy forced you to live with him. You hated Yusheng. How he was always smarter than everyone else. He could have helped a lot of people, but he went for himself instead, and he got rich. And now his love of money, his precious patent, is going to get you killed. I know everything about my animals. You want to know who I am? I'm the zookeeper. What? You gave up the first patent. So? They were torturing me. That one's nothing. He knew things about our background. Well, I didn't tell him. The second patent, what is it? Advanced Cube Satellite Tech. It's a game changer. It can override and control any computer system in the world, like a cyber skeleton key. It's not what you think. This isn't about money. I patented it so I could bury it. In the wrong hands, game over. Defense systems, nuclear codes, no one will be safe. Oh yeah, this was that whole computer system that can hack any any, any mainframe, right? Uh, yeah, yeah. In, in the world. Come on. And his idea was that he patented it at this technology so he so could, we could bury, bury it. it. Yeah, yeah, that but doesn't make sense. If I'm not mistaken, aren't patents public record? Patents. Oh yeah, you so you can see how it works. Yeah, yeah, you can look up patents online. <laughs> so All he's right. gonna patent something to bury it, but you can find it online anyway. You can go to the patent office and get exactly his idea. If he was that concerned about having this information get into the wrong hands, and he was that noble about it, then he should have just said, well, then just kill me. I don't want millions of people's lives to be lost with the knowledge that I've created. So, yeah, go ahead and kill me. I'd rather die than millions. So, go ahead. It will die with me. Done. Yeah. That might be the perfect way to end this. What's the point? Good night. See you guys next month. <laughs> We're not done yet. I'm looking through through notes I did take, and I have nothing left. My spirit is broken. Hades broke my spirit. Dude, it's you. We, we can't forget Sylvester Stallone's Breslin. He has to get caught to help his guys get out of prison. Mm. Why did the guards from the prison in Hades, how do they know that they were going to just capture Breslin in his office? And then how were they able to correlate the capture with, with each other? <laughs> He raises something that Shu hears in, in Ray's voice about uh, negative skeleton theory or something. He says, use what you see to map out what you can't see. Right. Yeah. Negative skeleton theory. Use what they let you see to map out what you can't see. That's how the layout begins to reveal itself to you. Train your mind to look beyond the physical wall that can find you. There's a whole separate world on the other side of the cells. Hallways, interrogation, infirmary, kitchen, HQ. 
Right now, it's all negative space. But not for long. I'm gonna get us out of here. What the? F what does that mean? He's talking about matter that's outside of matter. What is existing behind the wall to make the wall a wall? <laughs> how, can you, how can you map something that you can't see? It's, oh, God. Are we going to talk about the three things you need to break out of prison? The first thing they try to do in lockup is break your spirit. Can't allow that to happen. You have to stay mentally strong. You have to focus on three key things to a successful breakout. What are they? One, know the layout. Two, understand the routine. Three, have help from the inside or out. Teamwork, exactly. Your favorite one, I can tell. Remember, Shu, you move together. Everything flows as one. Oh, gee, yeah. thanks a lot, genius. <laughs> and I love, I love how he says having help from within and without. Well, yeah, that's... I'm sure every prisoner would love to have some help within and without, but that ain't happening. He beats up the black guy just to ask him for help or something. Was that guy an MMA fighter? He was, yeah. And how did he uh, jump ten Tyrone feet? How did he jump Woodley. ten feet in the air? <laughs> <I know. laughs> like Spartan three hundred or something. <sighs> Craig, are you there? <laughs> Craig, have yeah, we lost? I'm, <laughs> I'm thinking about what we're gonna have for dinner. I'm sorry. <laughs> Is there anything else worth discussing? Well, the CGI was horrible. The editing was. A hodgepodge disaster. The direction was somebody who had Parkinson's disease holding the camera. Hate that. I, I, that shaking. It's just ridiculous. They do that a lot with fights in movies. Yeah, it's a show the fight. You don't need to be a good fighter. And that bugs me. I want to see like a nice, well choreographed fight. Not this. It's close. It's tight. So you can barely see what's going on. And the cuts are so fast and shaky that the fights don't even matter. Blame the Bourne movies, and and that wasn't the sole purpose of the way they shot the Bourne movies, but the Bourne movies gave birth to that style of filmmaking. And not to say that Matt Damon didn't put in the work, because I think he had a pretty good skill set he developed, but that movie, they shot it in a way they wa where they wanted to get you really in the middle of the action. And then lesser filmmakers were like, hey, we can do this as a way to not have to show anything. And it's probably one of the worst trends in action films. I watched the documentary finally on Amazon the other day, um, Search for the Last Action Heroes, I think it's called. It's okay. all about the history of action movies. Oh. I think they cover that in that documentary. It's really terrible. And it's it's just a cheap tool in bad filmmakers' toolboxes. Terrible. Search for the Last Action Heroes, I think. <laughs> so they break out of prison and... Uh... There's like a head executive guy who distorts his voice. I love how he distorts his voice, but he shows himself clearly of what he looks like. <laughs> what about the two, speaking of fights, what about the two big showdowns? There's Shu and the zookeeper. Titus, Titus with the fight, oh. with the fighting techniques there. Is, is he a trained fighter? I don't know how much of that was really him. He was a little bit because I noticed in Bosch, he does a little bit of, every now and then it's very light, but he does a very light, like kind of like self-defense, like karate or jiu-jitsu or something very light movements i'm wondering if titus himself the actor might be a trained fighter of some sorts all right speaking of not really him what about uh <laughs> what about slide showdown with kimbrel oh boy a lot of shadow a lot of shadow work and a lot of dark i thought i thought i was watching a steven seagal film the uh the, the wig he was wearing was flopping around <laughs> 
It was bad. <laughs> oh, I love it. Like Sly is seventy two in this film or something. You know what I mean? Come on, let's stop. Let's, and not that. Oh, uh, continuing with the, the Sly fight, that uh, <laughs> no, the do. kill shot he had on Kimbrel, he had him in like a, a headlock over his shoulder. Like <laughs> yeah, that's pretty brutal. And then, like, drop to his knees, and all of a sudden, the guy's neck is broken. That was a pretty good kill. That was a good kill. It was awful. Like, the, how how is Kimmel not allowed, not able to get out of that? Like a pro wrestling move. Yeah. Well, we have more like of him with a Sly's uh, big, <laughs> the big punch. Like the big punch. That's his thing, man. I can't watch any Sly fights now without thinking about your take on it. He's got the same, he's got the same move. <laughs> Gut punch, gut punch, body shot. Yes, yeah, the he loves that body shot move, man. <laughs> I think he ruined every slide fight from here on out for me. Oh man, this poor Kimbrel actor. He's like, man, I just got pwned by a seventy-two year old guy. <laughs> he's literally forty years older than me. Oh, Titus Welliver has been married five times. <laughs> Good for him. He loves oh, merch. Yeah, yeah, Bosch. Boy, I love that show. I, let me talk about Bosch. If anyone's not watching Bosch on Amazon, you got to watch that. Have you not seen it? It's a cop show. You're a cop, right? You should like that. Yeah, I, I watched the first season and a half, and I got to get back into it because I did oh, enjoy man, it. Oh, man, it's so good. The second season is so good. I watched the first season like right at the beginning of the pandemic, and then I was like, I'm going to take a couple months off to really just make, you know, like, I'm not going to binge this show. So actually last week I started up season two and I'm going through season two and then I'll take another couple months off and watch three. But um, yeah, if you're not watching that show and you have Amazon Prime, I don't know what what to tell you. It's yeah. it's quality program. And if you like The Wire, there's a yes. ton of people from The Wire. Yes, this is an incredible cast. Mar- incredible cast. Marlo, you got the, the captain. Oh, yeah. yeah. From Spartacus. Actually, yeah. just... I finished The Wire just like oh. a couple of weeks ago. What did you think? I rewatched. I it was a, my second time through oh, okay. it, and it, it was I I love that show. Yes, yeah, so you know the ever, you know the guy that one of the black actors, one of the he's the guy that has a scar on his cheek, runs down his cheek. Yeah, uh, Michael K. Williams. Yeah, he plays uh, Bosch's partner in uh, in Bosch. Oh, oh no, uh, that's uh, Marlo. Marlo. Michael K. Williams has the one that goes down his entire face. Oh, okay. he played yeah. Omar. He played Omar, Omar, yeah, yeah. Omar's great. Omar's yeah, yeah Mar- Marlo okay. is is Bosch's partner. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so uh, yeah, Escape Plan Two. <laughs> Please, Escape Plan Two Hades. Hades, my bad. Sorry. You should do an out like a bonus material reel with all the side talk that we're doing. Well, no, it's going to be released. Look, I, look, I don't care. I, I don't even care. We don't. We owe nobody nothing. You know what? We watch this Drek. What do you guys? What do you guys want to say, man? Like, Frenzo. Sorry. When you put it to the vote, this month, actually, I thought it was, aside from the choice for Escape Plan, I thought there were two really interesting choices there. Okay. Reach Me, which yeah. is a, a Stallone film I haven't watched yet. I'll watch it whenever we get around to, to covering it. And Homefront, which I know some people gave us slack for choosing that one, and I think it might be people that don't listen to the podcast. Yeah. Because I think the guy in the Facebook group was like, what is this, three Stallone movies? I are know. we Are we picking? You know, but I think Homefront would have been a really interesting discussion, and I think Reach Me would have been a really interesting discussion. And I think on Twitter it was Liam, who um, is great to interact with on Twitter. He's got a podcast of his own. But I think his rationale for picking this one 
was really good. He's like, as much as I want to see you guys do the other movies, this movie's so bad, I got to hear what you guys think about I know, it. I know, so. I just feel, I feel like we haven't done it justice. I just feel exhausted, probably because I actually have a cold right now, but I don't know what to say about it. I really don't. It is fun to dig through these train wrecks and kind of, you know, it's not fun. I'm sorry. <laughs> it, it is not fun. It wasn't fun watching it and talking about it is like just revisiting trauma. I wish we knew why he got fired. Because part three apparently wasn't as bad. It I would, don't care enough. Because part three, but listen, for, for part three, just listen to this. It got 25% on Rotten Tomatoes. So it almost like tripled its rating. So more people enjoyed it. It had a change of director. Ironically, talking about Reach Me, the same guy that directed Reach Me directed Escape Plan. So I think Sly might have had a working relationship with this guy or something. Isn't the guy that made Reach Me, though, he's a legitimate filmmaker, like John something? John Herzfeld. I thought the name sounded familiar, too. I mean, he's made a lot of he's, – no, he, he's like a, a legitimate filmmaker. Like, he actually – probably in the early 2000s, like, he made real like real movies. He's done more TV work. He's done TV work. He actually was a co-star or had a, a bit part with Sly and Cobra. Okay. Did he do, like, Disney's The Kid or something? What movies has he directed? Filmography, he directed Two of a Kind, uh, John Travolta. Then he did uh, Two Days in the Valley. Okay. I think I've seen that one. And then he did uh, 15 I'm... Minutes with De Niro. Oh, that's a terrible movie. Yeah, and then he did The Death and Life of Bobby Z with Lawrence Fishburne and Paul Walker. And then he did Reach Me and Escape Plan. That's it. All right, I'm thinking of a different film. Yeah. Whoever made Disney's The Kid I'm thinking of. The problem with Stephen Miller, I think, is what Doug said, is he. I don't think the guy cared or he didn't do the prep work. He just got so excited that he was making a Sly film that he thought everything would just happen, and mm. it didn't. And that's probably what happened is he half-assed it. He didn't do his homework. Are you uh, thinking of John Turtletaub? Yes, that's who I'm thinking of, yeah. yeah. No, this guy, this guy... Uh... He's done a little bit of work, but it's odd that he's directed Sly in two. He could argue he's directed Sly in two films. But you know what I think the thing with Escape Plan Three is? It's probably going to be the same thing when we watch Escape Plan Three. Whenever, hopefully, that's eighteen to twenty months from now, we're going to say, "Oh, it wasn't as bad as Part two, mm. which doesn't make it a good movie. It just it's kind of like we felt about this when everybody said, "Oh, it makes Backtrace look like a masterpiece." Well, it really didn't. The bullshitty movies at the end. Of but I think the same thing is like our expectations for part three are going to be so low now that we'll probably enjoy part three for what it is. Here's some of the uh, audience reviews for uh, the positive ones. I think we should do positive ones from uh, Rod Tomatoes. One guy gave it five stars. <laughs> troll. That's a troll. That's a troll critic. <laughs> he said it that was. <clears throat> he said it was all reet. <laughs> oh Jesus! It was all reet. Another one, another guy gave it uh, five stars. Oh, these are these are viewers. These aren't legitimate critics. That's right. Yeah, these are these okay. are people. I'm just saying it's a thriller, fresh and very entertaining. Eh, come on. And then someone gave it five stars, but their write up was this is a decent movie. So was the first Escape Plan. <laughs> five stars. <laughs> oh my God. These people, Someone, I, I love this give one. give an idiot a computer, they can write anything. Three stars. Oh, okay, right. three stars. I just love prison movies where they break out. <laughs> oh, Jesus Christ. <laughs> this didn't even feel like a prison movie, though. No, no. I don't know what else to say. Somebody wrote three stars, like gave it three stars, and the write-up was, 
three stars for this movie. <laughs> they rated three stars, and then they wrote three stars for this movie. I love it. interesting commentary. Because you have to write something. You can't just give it. Three oh, stars. maybe. Someone gave it five stars and said this film is actually decent. What? Who are these people? Four they stars. They probably work for the production companies. Uh, Here's one. Here's one that might be a little bit from China. Well, this one might be a little bit more. Okay, four stars. After watching the first movie, I was just so pumped to see the sequel, Escape Plan Two Hades, and I really enjoyed it. Although not as good as the first one, Escape Plan 2 still does meet the criteria of a good prison break story. Impossible odds are stacked against the hero. Teamwork and unbelievable timing. Look, this movie is not the best Sylvester Sloan movie out there, and I get that. But you can't deny that it still does deliver terms of thrills. Oh, my God. That is a total plant. That that is somebody from the production. That's an intern. That's an intern. They're like, what are you doing today? Oh, what you what you do with your internship today? Oh, I wrote a bunch of reviews for shitty movies, and that's how they try to make it seem like it's not totally by saying we understand it's not the best movie, but come on. Well, that's why Rotten Tomatoes has two different scoring systems, right? They have the audience and then like the certified critics, the real critics. (laughs) Five stars, best action movie ever. (laughs) (laughs) I feel sorry for that person. Uh, They haven't lived. Yeah. If that is their favorite action movie, <laughs> life's not going to get any better for them. Oh, uh-huh. yeah. oh, yeah. We should say this was put up on Twitter and Facebook and both for a poll for us, like you're saying, against Reach Me and Homefront, which, yes, for our listeners, Homefront was written by Sly and it almost became a Sly vehicle. But that being said, this one uh, did win on both Twitter and Facebook, so no count was needed. It was the straightaway winner and it was a runaway winner within the first few hours. <laughs> Well, you know, you guys were MFing me up and down past couple of weeks when you saw it running away, but because this was my pick. But look, we got it out of the way. We would have had to do it sooner or later. All right. It's bad enough that we have Party Kitty and Studs to look forward to, Ryan. All right. So I know you're looking forward to that one very eagerly. So well, this yeah, piece know. of shit we had to get through, and we got through it. Somebody wrote, five stars better than Infinity War. <laughs> Yeah, that's another troll. Like, <laughs> look, next month we just have to put up monsters and enjoy enjoy it. For I think a month. I think next month we should put the three up. It should be Cobra versus Ryan Stone or something like that. Like something big, two big juggernauts against each other. Start no, no, well, well, Cobra will win. Like, I know like, it's true. Co- what would give Cobra a problem? Paradise Alley, Fist, maybe. No, I think the biggest. I think no, I think the biggest competition would be would be Ryan Stone at this point with what we have left over. We'll just have to just call it a Cobra month then. I think we might. If, maybe, maybe maybe we need to, yeah. Let's see what what kind of heat we can generate. What do you uh, say, fans? You want to see Cobra next month? Well, everyone would want well, to we, see Well, we also, we still have two, what, two Expendable movies to cover, right? We haven't covered the original Expendables. Correct. Or Expendables 3. Okay, you know what? Correct. We'll do Expendables 3 versus Escape Plan 3. There you go. That'd be an interesting one. Yeah. Just put... Those two up against one another. See what we Expendables get. Expendables three versus Escape Plan three versus Spy Kids three. <laughs> <laughs> yes. uh, book it, book it. That is it. That is it. That is it. Oh, I like man. it. Spy Kids three game over versus Expendables three versus uh, Escape Plan three. The Extractors. We've got our poll. Mm. 
I got a feeling. Okay, I won't say. All right. Well, guys, this was fun. I, I always have fun just talking with you guys. It's probably one of our shorter episodes. I apologize to our listeners for better, for worse. It's such a movie where the plot is so convoluted and hard to follow that it was actually hard to take notes. Whereas Backtrace was actually, it was easy to follow. Like it wasn't difficult to understand what was going on, but this one was jumping around so much and I actually gave up trying to care enough to talk about it. So in a weird way, I think it is worse than Backtrace in some ways. Backtrace was boring and maybe that's why you could watch this one again because it's so bad in some ways that it's maybe more fun to watch because it's so bad. Anyways. Guys, if you're talking about bad movies though and I'm talking to you two okay. and anybody listening – it's on Hulu here in the States. It's a movie called uh, The Money Plane, and oh. it stars Edge, the, the former pro wrestler Edge, <laughs> okay. Kelsey Grammer. Oh, I've heard of this. And it, it's amazing. It's 82 minutes long. Nice. Amazing. It reaches a level where it's comedic. Joey Lawrence is one of the stars. That's all I got to oh, say. Man. And yes. Joey Lawrence's brother directed it. So, oh, oh Thomas, you know, Thomas, Thomas Jane's in it. So is Denise Richards. Yeah, Thomas Jane is the only person that you legitimately feel bad for because he deserves way more than that movie gives him. And there's only one scene in the movie that actually looks like a real movie, and it's a Thomas Jane scene at the end. But I'm serious. If you're listening to this or you and Ryan uh, and Doug, you want to cleanse your palate and see a really shitty movie that's entertaining to watch, The Money Plane. Like I said, 82 minutes. It's in and out. I like that. (laughs) <laughs> oh, I know you do. <laughs> it's amazing. I almost wanted to talk about the money plane tonight. Instead, I was going to try and steer this to a money plane discussion, but it just couldn't happen. Well, you did. But, <laughs> Congratulations. Yeah, well, I'm giving my first, I think my first ever Slycast recommendation for a movie that isn't a Slycast movie. Well, there uh, you go. When I gave my TV series recommendation on this episode, Bosch, check that out. Yeah. It's safe to say that neither of us will ever watch this again, right? None of us, not a one of us. Whatever the slidecast gets to it, which is, I think, years. That's like when you get to Rocky Balboa on Rocky Minute, which so far in the future that I don't even have to think about it. <laughs> yeah. No, that's not a that's not a right. I mean. No, I was just thinking how far away it is. I, I we'll get there. I, I can't wait till you guys cover well Rocky Five, really. <laughs> yeah, me too. <laughs> Well, guys, this has been great. I apologize again to our listeners. This probably wasn't the best episode, and I and I don't mean that. In a, it, sometimes the movie's just so bad it's hard to talk about. I, I don't know what else to say. Oh, this was a fun episode, man. I think it's going to be a fun listen. Oh, I, I hope so. It. I hope so. I like guess I, I said, we, we got to talk about Bosch and The Mandalorian <laughs> Season 2 and The Money Plane. and uh, We did a little bit of Rocky Talk. Perspective. They, people have to like us seeing us lose our minds, right? I guess so. Yeah. I feel like yes. I didn't get very much to cut in for audio. We didn't really say much with the dialogue or anything. We'll save the uh, the listeners that at least. Spare yeah, them a little it'll, bit. It'll be an easy edit, Ryan. All right. Yeah. Don't give this movie more work than it deserves. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> That's fair. All I think right. you can cut in like Stallone telling the Amy Ryan character that she looks nice. <laughs> the three uh, rules of prison breaking. You know, yeah, yeah and the skeleton, the skeleton whatever. The skeleton map, or whatever it's called. I hope you don't have to re-rent the movie to do all this. <laughs> no, I'm gonna. I'm actually gonna. I'm gonna record my YouTube video. I have 48 hours. I have software that records, you know, the computer. So I'm gonna play it in the background and record it, so I can use the audio file. 
That's, this uh, is the kind of stuff I got to do for the show. Jeez. Well, no, I mean, if you if you end up needing audio too, I can just bring up the scene on Prime and give you. We'll figure it out. Yeah. Like I said, don't work yourself over this movie, man. It's not worth it. <laughs> don't put in more work on this than the actual film production team did. Exactly. <laughs> Yeah, I'm going to put more job editing this podcast episode than they did editing the film. More care anyways. That's true. Oh, man. All right, guys. This has been a real pleasure. This will be coming out the first Saturday. Hopefully, I'm going to get this Mm -hmm. done for Saturday, the first Saturday of uh, January of 2021. So this is our... Oh, that's like two days from now. I know. I will do what I can to get it out. No way you're going to release this on Saturday. We'll see. (laughs) You 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 know me, Stallion. I always think of something. Brian, spend time with your family, man. Don't, <laughs> don't rush it. Don't rush it for the listeners. Think about they, it. They, they can wait a week. I spent an hour and a half watching it, an hour and a half talking about it, and I spent about six hours editing this all for <laughs> Escape Plan 2 Hades. <laughs> oh. You know what? Actually, Ryan, this is probably a great way to end 2020 for yourself. So, yeah, you know what? Mercifully. Do release it on Saturday. Spend your last day of 2020 torturing yourself it would be the perfect way to end this year oh man all right guys well i hope we have a good new year and i'm looking forward to the movies that we're going to review later in uh, 21 as well and what 21 will bring hopefully rocky 3 will be out in rocky minute in 2021 and we'll get some oh uh, more slycast episodes in uh, 2021 Two, you're not off the hook yet i want you for conversations at jackrabbit slims yes um i i, I want to get you in 2021 episodes and uh, listeners, if you enjoy my rambling or my hijacking of these network shows, please check out Conversations at Jackrabbit Slims. It's my Pulp Fiction podcast. And every episode I sit down and chat with somebody, an, another fan of the movie, for 30 to 45 minutes. It's been a lot of fun. And it's solely because of this pandemic that I've actually had the time to do it. And it's been some of my favorite podcasting moments. And like that's why I look forward to having ryan and doug on i know ryan you said you need, really need to prepare for it i know yeah preparation done i would i'm going to be on a soon i should get on before i move actually so expect yeah. a call within the next week i'm ready all right all right everybody all right happy new year guys happy new year happy new year all right bye-bye <laughs> Bye. later Nick Vins here. Welcome to the Chattering Hour, and we are delighted to have our special guest with us this week. Stephen C. Miller is best known for his high-energy action thrillers. Stephen, thank you very much indeed for joining me today. Oh, thanks for having me. This is awesome. Right, right. You mentioned Jamie, Jamie King, mm-hmm. um, who you've worked uh, more recently on, um, forgive me, Escape which film? Escape Plan was the last thing we did together. Right. Oh, yes, yes, with Sylvester Stallone. With Stallone, yes. Now, tell me a little bit about that, although we will need to go back and talk about Bruce Willis <laughs> films as well, but tell me a little yeah. bit about this, which I really enjoyed. Um, I yeah, it's, it's, thank you. Yeah, Escape Plan is, man, that is a that movie, you know, working 
so I, I had done a few movies with uh, Emmett Furla uh, and Lionsgate, and so I sort of knew what their machine was. Uh, you coming into it, you you know, uh, you know what you're getting yourself into, which is probably an under 20 day shoot, more in the 18, 16 to 18 day range, and you're going to have Bruce or Fly or Nick for one to maybe five days if you're lucky. Um, and so I had Sly for three days. Um, and so, uh, you know, you have to shoot everything with Sly in those three days. Um, and you have to figure out how to shoot it. And then you have to understand how you shot it and go back the rest of the movie and shoot where he was or around him or on his stunt doubles back or, you know, so you have to really uh, understand uh, the <laughs> filmmaking, I guess, and, and editing when you're when you're doing these movies because it's just it can be a real you know a real mindfuck. So it, it's kind of crazy. Wow, wow. So that's that's how you got to work with all all these guys. Now, one of the things I wanted to ask you about was, and I'm thinking um, particularly of, uh, and I just want to make sure. I, so we're talking about Escape Plan, which in a way to me felt like a kung fu movie the mm -hmm. violence in it is very stylized whereas if you compare that with line of duty to me the act the violence there just feels clumsy and brutal and these guys really don't know what they're doing right. were you was that a very conscious de decision when you looked at those two Project. Yeah, 100%. When I was looking at Escape Plan, you know, I was looking at movies like Universal Soldier, or I was going back even further. And I was just really looking at old kung fu films that I love and, and looking at how do I achieve that in this really technical world? Um, <clears throat> and how do I achieve it in an amount of time? Uh, and to me, it, it, it made more sense to try to be as stylized as possible with Escape Plan, uh, because I didn't have a lot of resources. Uh, and so I wanted to try to make the action feel uh, more stylized than what, you know, the rest of the movie I had around me. Uh, and so to try to give it some kind of scope and some kind of feel. Um, but I also just, you know, I, I really love prison films. Um, and I was just trying to give it an aesthetic that was different than, than some of the prison films I'd seen. I really enjoyed the first one. I thought it was a fun movie. Uh, I thought it was uh, very much a callback to, you know, old 90s movies. Uh, which I'm a fan of. And so when they came to me and said, hey, we we're thinking about making a sequel, it felt like if I was going to make a sequel, they already did the 90s thing, uh, and I wanted to do something more contemporary. Uh, I thought the first one was very bright, right? And for me, sequels are always a lot darker. And so that seemed like the best way for it to go, was to go in a darker tone, uh, darker, more grittier feel. And plus, that's really my style anyway. And so that's just the way I wanted to take it. Now we have Breslin, who we find now is running his own company, uh, and he has a group of guys working for him, and uh, some of his main guys get kidnapped, and they're taken into this place called Hades, and Breslin's got to go in and get them out. I mean, I've always been a huge fan of science fiction and sci-fi movies, uh, Blade Runner, Alien. These are all movies that I grew up watching, and so that was sort of the way I wanted to take the movie, and that's the aesthetic I wanted to take the prison. I wanted to go sort of Ridley Scott with it. Uh, he's one of my favorite directors, and I felt like it'd be fun to sort of play on that motif, and again, it was just polar opposite from the first movie and do something really different. So the robot in the original script was not a robot. Uh, the original script that came to me was an arm that kind of stuck out of a wall, 
uh, and in various different ways. And so it felt to me like if I was going to do a movie about a sci-fi prison, that I bring in an element that felt a little more sci-fi. And so the robot was a part of that that I added, that I thought, you know, gave it a little bit more of a cool aesthetic. And I, I just love robots, and I, people love robots. I thought it'd be fun to have a robot. Uh, and so for me, it was like, what can I do with this robot? That's a little bit more different, and that was practical. Making it practical, non-CGI, something I could feel, something I could touch. That, that's the route I wanted to go. That's the route I wanted to go. Stallone's amazing. Uh, I've worked with a lot of people, and he's definitely one of the best. He's very humble, pro. Uh, he knows exactly what he wants. It's unreal to be working on him with a fight scene uh, because you know you're sitting there and you're watching a legend do fighting and punching, and you. You know, you really kind of lose yourself because the guy is so good at what he does. He knows exactly where the camera needs to be to sell certain hits. And I just think that's amazing. Uh, and he just was one of those guys that loves to contribute as much as he possibly can. And he's giving it 100% all the time. Dave's amazing. Dave's always a great guy. Uh, he is so much fun. He knows exactly what he's doing. Uh, he likes to take characters and sort of play around with them. And, you know, he, he's not your typical wrestler turned actor. Uh, you know, I, I think he's got a lot more going on than that, and I think he tries to find characters that portray a little deep, a little bit deeper than that. Uh, and he he has a lot of fun with them. He's just a really great guy. Xiao Ming is a great guy, right? He he has got such a great presence on screen. He has such a great face on screen. It was a lot of fun to have him come over and this be his first big American movie. Uh, we got along instantly. Uh, and he's just one of those guys that, you know, knows how to throw a punch, and that's awesome. And uh, he's great at it. So Pete Wentz and I go back a long ways. Pete came and watched one of my very first movies at a theater uh, when it was first showing. And so we've just kept in touch over the years, and he, we've just kind of said if there was anything that felt like would be fun for him, I would throw him in. And this was, it felt to me like a fun role for him. And uh, we had a lot of fun bringing him in and letting him do his thing. So Jamie King and I go back away. She was in my movie Silent Night uh, and I've been wanting to work with Jamie again for a long time and this opportunity approached it, you know, and I felt like this is a good way for us to work again. And she's just a great actress, you know. She's one of those actresses that really hones in on her role and finds what she likes and knows how to do it and knows how to work it. She's just amazing at it. Yeah, I mean, look, we did. We, I talked to everyone about what their characters are, right, and how we approach each character. Uh, it's, it's difficult on these movies to get a lot of time uh, because your prep is shortened, so that way you can get more production. Uh, and so when dealing with the actors, I try to take it individual basis, and we talk about various different things, but we really try to kind of cut to the chase and what's the real goal of the character and what's the character's goal from point A to point B. Um, and that's something that I try to do with everyone. Uh, with Stallone, it's a little different. Stallone comes in and knows what his character is, and that's what I love about him, is that he's got a, he's got a vision for what his character is, and you know, my job at that point is just to help him get through the scenes uh, with everyone else, right? And make sure that his character is doing what he wants it to do. Brandon Cox is obviously one of the best DPs working today. That's no doubt in my brain. Um, and he's also one of my best friends. And so we've done now, this is our fifth movie. Uh, we love working together. He's one of those guys I can count on every second of every day. He knows what lens I'm gonna call. He knows what shot I have next. He's always, you know, right on top of me and making sure that it's working. Uh, he's just fantastic, and the movies always look great. So there was a lot of thought into Hades and so and what the zoo was. And so uh, me and Nico spent countless hours figuring out what this place was going to be, how the layout was going to be, and we ended up deciding to build it. So we built the entire thing on a stage. Uh, and I think that's probably one of the most 
uh, interesting things about it is we were able to kind of move walls, take walls out, uh, put camera angles that we wouldn't normally be able to get. Uh, and so it was just a, you know, I, I think it was a great idea. If there's a part three, I'd really like to go skyscraper. Um, I love movies like Dread. I love movies like The Raid. Um, I'd love to see Breslin and team get trapped in a building and have to fight their way out. That's what I would love to see.